0: The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network.
1: For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me.
2: This can't be happening. Oh,
0: what's happening, Aura? What did you do to my uncle's house? I fixed it, man. This is so inappropriate for this vehicle. Why am I operating the untested nuclear laser? You have the longest arms. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh
3: Did you want to? Sorry, sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time.
1: Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I am Tobin Addington.
0: I'm Isla Addington And today I'm so excited. Uh, We have a guest. Our guest is Dr. Dana Showalter. Hi, Dana. Hi. Hello. Uh, Dana is a professor of communications at Western Oregon University and has written academically on this very film. Yay. We've never had
1: an actual expert on the movie
0: (laughs) on our show
1: before. (laughs) So I'm a little nervous, I'm going to say.
3: I wouldn't call myself an expert on the movie, but I'll do my best.
0: (laughs) So the movie in question is the 2016 uh, Ghostbusters reboot. I guess let's start with Tobin. Mm. Um, Can you share your history with this movie with us?
1: Yeah, I saw it two days ago for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, uh, I had wanted to see it. I did do we have plans at one point to go together or something? I, 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 that's, I have a vague memory that we, that there was, there were, there were various plans in my life to try to get to this movie. And then with, with young kids, (laughs) I have a hard time sometimes getting things into the theater. So I was very excited to have a chance to, uh, to see this movie. I what about you?
0: Um, I was also excited and it made me, I remember I was just saying, um, I watched the original the summer this one came out, just because I knew I had seen it, but I had forgotten. So I tried to do sort of a direct comparison that way, Um, Mm. and so saw it once, then and then once, uh, you know, yesterday. Dana, I have a habit of
3: going to see women led films in the theater on opening day. So, uh, and this was before I had a kid. So I went on opening day and was really blown away by the movie because at one point I looked up and I saw four women engaged in physical combat, but Mm. also wearing clothes at the same time. (laughs) And I, I mean, it sounds so funny, but I was just, I was really struck in that moment that this was something that was very unique that I have not seen before. And I was blown away. And then I, also loved it because when I went out into the lobby after the film, there were several little boys who had gone to see the movie with their moms, and they were um, asking their moms if they would take pictures for them in front of the, um, like the poster for the movie. And I was, yeah, I've been hooked. I love That's it.
0: Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. That's the best That's so cool. story
1: right yeah you win you win
0: <laughs> yay Dana wins segment number one <laughs> yes
1: exactly we do keep points on this Absolutely. on the show that's yeah. what i heard yeah
0: <laughs> segment two uh tobin your um two bits of film history for us
1: yeah, so the first bit is that this movie had a long journey to come to the screen, apparently. The f- original film uh, came out in 1984 and then the sequel in 1989. And there was a, uh, there was a thing in, in Hollywood at the time in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, where the studios were giving away a lot of power to the stars. And so in order for any sequel to get made, the director – Ivan Reitman, and then the two writers, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, who are also in the movie and Bill Murray all had to agree to do a sequel. And if one of them said no, they could veto the whole project. And so the, for, for years and years and years, there's a variety of scripts that, that get written by a variety of people, sometimes by Dan Aykroyd, sometimes by new writers to the, to the movie. And, and for whatever reason, often Bill Murray, uh, who's sort of mercurial that way, they never kind of found their way to the screen. Uh, And then Harold Ramis who was, as I said, was one of the original co-writers and co-stars, uh, passed away in 2014. And that's somehow the, 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 the um, interviews allude to that sort of paving the way for this adaptation. So then we get this adaptation co-written by Paul Feig and Katie Dippold, who shows up in the movie as a real estate agent mm-hmm. briefly. Uh, <laughs> and, and it gets everybody's, gets the, the remaining three um, principles, blessings to get made. Uh, the other bit is that the Leslie Jones character was originally written for Melissa McCarthy, uh, and um, after, I, I forget how, what, what prompted it, but at one point, Paul Feig, it, as they were sort of casting the movie, realized that um, he wanted to, how do you say it? He wanted to unleash Leslie Jones the mm-hmm. way he did um, Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids. To, to, he knew it would be a, a, a real sort of show stopping part. And also, I think, as I understand it, Melissa McCarthy was sort of wanted to tr- try something else, right? Wanted to do a different kind of, t- kind of role. Uh, and so, yeah, those are the, the, the two bits I've got.
0: I love it. Um, I'm uh, hoping we get some more context and background and things um, from Dana as we get into our discussion um, because of um, your interaction with the um, controversy and um, et cetera around it. So I'm looking forward to your bits as well, Dana.
3: All right. Sounds good. I have a bit I can add to the Paul Feig and people like doing this. So when Paul Feig first said he would do the film, he originally didn't want to do it because he liked the original so much and knew that it had such a cult following. And he's given a lot of interviews saying, you know, I didn't want to do it. And then was trying to think about how he could do it. And he decided he would do it. But only if he could do a reboot specifically because he wanted to take the idea of the originals but put it in a completely different context with different people so that he wouldn't have to be like you know be a part of or uh, the world that existed before and so the only reason he did it is because he could do that and create these new dynamics and so it was this really intentional way of paying his sort of homage to the to the original is why he says he did it the way that he did to like try to do away with some of the backlash that he would have of rebooting this sort of classic, mm. which obviously
1: failed, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> traded it in he for tried. different backlash, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Baggage for baggage. Cool. Right. Island, can you, why don't you t- uh, tell us some of the ladies in charge, women involved in major roles in Ghostbusters?
0: I would love to. Got to take a big breath because th- there's a lot more this time than the last time we recorded this podcast. <laughs> yes, it's <that's> true. <laughs> <laughs> Lead actors, Kristen Wig, Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones. Co-writer, Katie Dippold. Producers, Allie Bell, Jesse Henderson, and Amy Pascal. An editor, you know I love an editor. You do. Melissa Bretherton. So many dings. I missed the dings last time.
1: <laughs> I know we've been <laughs> low on dings. Yeah. For a couple, I think. Yeah.
0: Um, hey, Tob, uh, can you give us a short rundown um, plot rundown for um, any listeners who haven't been able to catch this one yet?
1: Sure. This comes from IMDb following a ghost invasion of Manhattan. Paranormal enthusiasts, Aaron Gilbert and Abby Yates, nuclear engineer, Jillian Holtzman and subway worker Patty tolan band together to stop the otherworldly threat
0: concise succinct yeah
1: that's you know i mean it's it feels like there's enough uh cultural penetration for ghostbusters is that not maybe the way to say that um it feels like cultural osmosis if not having seen the movie ghostbusters is pretty a pretty known quantity uh so this is this is a rebooted ghostbusters and if you know the plot of the original you know the basic outlines of this uh, of this movie too.
0: You know now I'm going to say cultural penetration at least 3 times before the end of this month. It's going to be my new favorite phrase.
1: <laughs> now <laughs> I have to leave that in too. I was going to take that out. <laughs>
0: you can, you can. Hers <laughs> <laughs> Um so I I have a a question that um I'm, I I th- I'm hoping Dana can answer or um or or comment on based on um the work you've done around this. Um so to start things off what's what's sort of missing from the plot rundown is the um the catalyst for the ghostly threat is this s- sad little man Rowan who um to me exemplifies fragile masculinity and and is, is doing all these things and, and bringing on the end of the world in part because of how he feels mistreated in our world. So that so parallels some aspects <laughs> of the controversy and backlash. And so I'm wondering, um, number one, how kind of how, it, it, how that character felt to you, Dana. And number two, how much of that character was influenced by the backlash? I don't know <laughs> the answer
3: to that question, how much it was influenced by the backlash. I know there were parts of the film that were influenced by the backlash, including things like the moment where they're kind of looking at the YouTube comments on the trailer that they put up uh, early in the film and they start reading comments. Those are actual comments from the YouTube comment section of the trailer that they then use to talk about oh, the, really? the movie they put up Whoa. of themselves, Catching Ghosts. They, they actually went in and they were doing a bunch of reshoots. And when they were doing that, they filmed themselves reading the actual comment section. So I know that that was part of it, but I don't know I don't know if that character's lines or or any of that was changed
0: hmm. in any way. yeah, it's interesting
3: and, and shockingly, as much as I think you're totally right in that character exemplifying fragile masculinity and sort of you know his his own you know being caught up in that sort of thing. It's that character is almost completely absent from any discussion in any of the comment section controversy. Mm -hmm. Really? At least that I've seen. I'm sure it's Mm -hmm. out there, but I haven't encountered it yet.
0: My gosh, the invisibility is just
3: stunning. I, I mean, if anything, you know, people are just upset that you know, oh, these people call themselves feminists, but you know, here is this person who's being objectified, and no one seems to care. So you know, there's some of that, but but very little, like more robust discussion about that character than that moment right there. Mm,
2: wow. Just
3: basically being upset that he's being objectified, and how dare they?
1: <laughs> That's like the extent, I think. My goodness, whatever. So- the, I have a question then about the backlash because I remember the I remember the I remember there being a backlash. I remember there being um, the, uh, uh, attempts to sort of kill the movie, basically to like not get people to see the movie, to down talk the movie a lot before it came out. Which, incidentally um, also happened right before Bridesmaids. I remember very distinctly, there were one or two, um, uh, how do you say legitimate journalists, not just sort of commenters who, who kept talking about how, what a big mistake it was to release Bridesmaids. Nobody's going to go to this movie. And then there was this huge success. So it feels like a thing that comes up for, for, for Paul Feig on a, you know, at, on at least two occasions, but can you, can you, Talk us through a little bit of the the sort of pre movie backlash, like the the feelings as as the movie was sort of about to come out.
3: Yeah, that's actually what I have done a lot of research on is kind of leading up to the film, and uh, the, so the film trailer was posted on YouTube uh, several you know several months before the the actual film came out, and between the time it was posted and the theater launch date of the film. There were something like 240,000 comments in the comment section of this film and became the most disliked movie trailer of all time up to that point. And a lot of uh, the people who were posting really heavily and who are really upset about this film were very adamant that they were not upset that the movie was being remade with four women in the lead, but that they were really upset that Hollywood keeps relying on reboots and sequels and that oh. this was their big chance to like really stick it to Sony for making yet another reboot. And so a lot of the focus was really on on you know, when they would like interview people who were commenting or who were really mad. Like, this isn't about the women in the film. This is about, (laughs) you know, this is about sequels and this is about the way Hollywood is funded. And we're, you know, on their high horse about that. So the study that I did actually delved into the comments and only looked at the comments up until opening day. So like, then Mm. none of these comments could be actually about the movie because Mm. no one had seen it yet. Had
1: seen it, yeah.
3: And really just sort of, dove headfirst into what what the internet uh, trolls or harassers were saying about this film. And the deeper you get into the comment section, the more you can see just without a doubt that it actually is very much about the fact that there are four women in charge. And kind of the Mm -hmm. argument that I make is that they're employing misogyny as, as this mechanism that has, of course, implications for the film. You know, they were, you know, trying to get to a million dislikes before the launch date and they got close, but they didn't make it quite, and um, became the sort of game they were playing. But they also, you know, tried to encourage people to vote the film down on Rotten Tomatoes and vote the film down on IMDb and a bunch of other places. And So it had impacts on the film in that way, but it, but it what I think is really interesting about the comment section is, is not only what's there, because I've got a lot of stuff on what's there, if you want to hear about it,
2: it's not particularly <laughs>
3: uplifting, yeah. but it's also just that a lot of people talked about the comment section and talked about this harassment that was occurring in the comment section as being this like exceptionally bad thing that happens in comment sections. and kind of what I try to to argue in the work that I do is that it's actually really not that exceptional. If you mm-hmm. think about it, this type of harassment happens online all the time. And even if you look at mm-hmm. the type of harassment that happened specifically against Leslie Jones was just this like very racist, um, very mm-hmm. uh, gendered form of harassment, that even that's not that exceptional because we know that women of color experience mm-hmm. this type of harassment in online spaces much more severely. And then also, it's really not that exceptional because when you look at the world we live in, this type of harassment actually and the, some of the things people say, it actually mirrors very closely the harassment people face. So, yes, there were tons of threats of of sexual assault and of shootings and of violence against women in the comment section but we don't live in a world that's especially hospitable to women. We live in a world that's actually very dangerous mm-hmm. for women and many women experience these types of things. And so, you know, I think, I think what happened in that space is is really tragic and what happens in, in comment spaces and in online spaces for women is, is very tragic, but we need to remember that we're by By excusing it, we are also (laughs) suggesting that it's normal or, you know, that you can look away or, you know, of course, you shouldn't be welcome on the Internet. You know, you can you can just turn it off. You should be silent about this. And in that way, it sort of kind of condones the whole thing and condones what's happening when we just sort of excuse
1: that. Mm. That's really fascinating the idea that that's not a separate thing right that's mm-hmm. that's fascinating that it, that it's it is a it is not like a that there's what we call talk about a virtual mm-hmm. world but as though it has no like reflection in the of the real world in some way
3: right Yeah, the way that we separate those things out is so amazing to me. And, you know, I especially think about the way then that that type of narrative, like just turn it off, just go away from it actually mirrors the exact way that we talk to victims of of online Mm. and digital harassment, right? We tell Mm. people who are victims of that type of harassment to just, just don't go online, just delete Mm. your Facebook account, just right. Mm -hmm. And and that's mm-hmm. not the root of the problem. The root of the problem is actually like a very mechanized form of misogyny that's being mm-hmm. enacted for a specific purpose. And uh, and we need to like, we need to address that a lot better than we do. We also need to recognize that when we tell people to just like ignore it and be silent about it, that's like right. the
0: exact <laughs> problem in the first place is that we tell women to be quiet. <laughs> I, was, I was just right. going right. to say that right. yeah, not right. only does it mirror other um, uh, narratives in a – in the discussion of, you know, this virtual world in quotes, but it um, has uncomfortable ties (laughs) to how we treat survivors in the real world as well. Mm -hmm. That it's, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that immediately um, the onus is on the person coming forward to change their behavior or um, Mm -hmm. or excuse what has happened to them because of some sort of circumstantial, bullshit um so yeah good podcast everybody I guess we'll just go home (laughs) um we were were talking right before we turned on the mics um about how um and I are are both in academia but in different ways um and I was I so I wanted to well actually Tobin too right you teach college yeah
2: I I do (laughs) I forgot about
0: that for just a hot second so let's talk about just the opening in terms of academics because I – it's a huge mm, – the way things like tenure and the way professors are um, portrayed in TV and movies is often a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, a huge example is Ross Geller on Friends. He taught oh, one class yeah. and then he got tenure. Which would <laughs> take um, but so I'm interested in, for the other academics in the room, um, kind of how the opening bits with um, Kristen Wiig, uh going up for tenure. And um, I, of course, um, immediately wrote down um, dictating her clothing to her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, something that happens. Um, so how did how did the fake the fakeademia work for for you two just there at the beginning? So I'm going up for tenure this fall and just the, like,
3: the horror, I think I feel about the process, even in a university like mine where the process is very straightforward, but just the microaggressions, the belittling of certain types of work. I mean, to me, while I think it's, you know, it's obviously done in a way that tries to exaggerate for effect, Mm -hmm. It's, it also, I think, plays up what I, what are like the biggest fears I have in my work. <laughs> so, you know, to me, I was like,
0: uh-oh. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. You were taking notes for a different reason than I was taking notes. <laughs> right. Right.
2: Exactly. I mean,
0: I, I don't know about you, Dana. When I um, when I was in grad school and teaching as a, as a grad student for the first few times, we had lots of discussions about what we would wear and why. And And it was started by either older graduate students or advisors in seminars and things. But then it became something that we were very conscious of um, in my cohort about how to move, how to look in that space. Is that something you experienced?
3: All, all Mm -hmm. the time and very much so around the job market Mm -hmm. because we were given a lot of prep where I did my PhD work on, on like how to land a big wig kind of job. Um, And so they would say things like, don't wear too many colors. Don't wear anything too short. And it became clear that there was just nothing
2: that was going (laughs) to be professional
3: enough. Or like (laughs) faculty members, uh, there have been several instances in grad school where faculty members would comment on grad students' clothing, Uh you know, like, Um, sometimes in a very harassing way and other times in just like a, like a more subtly harassing way. Like, Oh, did you wear that to Mm -hmm. teach? Uh, So I felt like that was always there. And then it it showed up in student evaluations where my students would like comment on what I was wearing or what shoes I had on. Like every term I would get that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I mean, we, I still get it. I still know. I still get comments on that from faculty members. I mean, I expect some of it from students, but from my colleagues, mm-hmm. I'll get comments and, and male colleagues in front of students calling out what I'm wearing. Or, you know, I know, I know a lot of folks who who have had that experience. So, oh yeah, it, it's, it's like a, a stunningly present mm-hmm. thing is, is what I wear every day. Or if I wear pants, usually at least one person will be like, oh, you rarely wear pants. Right. And it becomes <laughs> like a conversation right. piece about, you know, Yeah, all the time, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: all the time. Mm -hmm. It was a a, a strange adjustment to go to staff, the staff side in a lot of ways for me. But one of them was figuring out what rules were different or not. Um, And yeah, I could we, you know, us ladies, we could talk about our clothes all day. <laughs> well, we're asked to. Yeah, no, way. exactly. No, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
3: and then when we talk about our clothes, they're like, "Oh, you're talking mm-hmm. about your clothes." Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. But there's, exactly.
0: There's, the only person who can comment on your physical appearance is me. Right. I mean, can you imagine saying the same things to male colleagues that are said to you? Like, <laughs> no. And actually, in my first teaching job right out of school, I was talking about how
3: I always get comments about my clothes, and I worked with someone who was like he was also a professor and he was young and he was cool you know he wore cool clothes and I mean he was way cooler than I'll ever be and I was like <laughs> you must get this too right and he was like I have never once had that happen to me and I was blown <laughs> away
0: what this happens to me every term right. are you serious I mean it's yeah to- Tobin how are do you yeah. where do you fit in are you are you that cool guy that no one cares what you wear
1: I'm certainly not that cool guy, but being a guy, no oh. one cares.
0: The part that I wrote down after my pet peeves about um, the portrayal of academia is um, as you know, the, it is sort of the 10 year process um, that has the um, Aaron, the Kristen Wiig character um, up in arms about this, this book that she'd written previously with a colleague that gets her back together with Abby played by um, Melissa McCarthy. Um, and just in that first when even the three of them before we even get Patty, but, um, but when the three of them are, are, um, were, are first on screen together, I wrote down how much I love seeing people be good at their jobs. And particularly I love mm-hmm. to see women portrayed as good at their jobs. And so n- I knew that there were going to be, that they would get jerked around, et cetera, but just what competent, like, well, you know, uh, I don't, yeah, comp, it's so sad that I have to compliment people being competent, but, <laughs> but I, I, I love that they, hmm, Aaron is certainly um, trying to reconcile these different identities she has around, around the ghosts, but, um, mm-hmm. but they're never self-deprecating, they're never, I mean, so I, I guess she, maybe she does have some shame ar- around her experience, but, um, but on the whole, they're they're confident in in a number of ways that I appreciated seeing even before they got the big guns. And confident in
3: each other and yes. supportive of each yes. other, which like to see. To, I mean, that happens all the time in the real world. So to get to see it on film, like really smart mm-hmm. women working together and encouraging each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll yeah, take it. I liked
1: it. There was a great moment to jump ahead in the movie where they're all it's before they walk into one of the, I I, I can't remember where with was near, near the climax of the movie and the four of them show up and they're in this four shot in the middle of the screen, all in their gear. And, and it's a hero moment of where one of them is going to say, let's go to like, go into the building to take care of the ghost and, and. Um, Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig say it at the same time and then they both stop say, oh you're gonna okay <laughs> you, you go ahead oh okay you do it but then what, they, what they're saying is okay you do it this time I'll do it next time like it's not they're not trying to elbow each other out they're like okay yeah yeah you got it okay great you do it this time like we just didn't coordinate this you know like it's it's a different th- th- there's the comedy in this movie does not come from a mean-spirited place and the comedy in this movie does not come from the fact that these that these that that they're silly uh, or, or, or not, this is not the right word. That right. they there's are incompetent. There's no bumbling. Right? There's not, no. There's no bumbling. Yeah. They're they're they've taken the the Jillian Holtzman character, the uh, Kate McKinnon character, and she. The, the comedy comes because she is so fucking good at her job. Like she's creating things that, that, you know, probably, but, or not probably, they're likely physically impossible. Like physics does not allow her to do the things that she's able, able to do, but it's, but it, it but she's so good. She whips this, this stuff up, which is, I think, I think that's one of the real joys of this, of this movie.
0: I, I wrote down, I love the, I believe you moment and now i don't remember exactly where it is it's after patty joins them but before before that big battle in the in the hotel where that causes the mayor to be upset with them um so i apologize for not under, remembering that specifically but yeah there is a camaraderie um and a and a support of each other that um is sometimes earning that is like half the movie i'm thinking of Avengers-y stuff where, like, we don't trust this person mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. person. We don't know about them, and they have to show us. And um, and, and I think they um, are open to collaboration in a way that we don't always see.
1: Who is your favorite performance of the four? I know, it's a hard Good. question. <laughs> I apologize.
3: <laughs> I think Catherine McKinnon, it just... Knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. and I was drawn to her in a lot of scenes, but I also read uh, an interview that Melissa McCarthy and Paul Feig did and they talked about how the that portrayal was actually the closest to her actual personality mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. that it it gets right like he kept being like play yourself play yourself and she was struggling with it and she was like nervous and he's like nope this is exactly right so um i thought that was sort of interesting
0: yeah i i i guess that the the question i would ask instead is maybe what do you like best about each of them because i don't have one that i pick although i do have a game later so Uh, maybe keep some some of that in mind Tobin do you have a a favorite that that jumps out at you
1: I I do I guess I I didn't mean to we had to pick a favorite of the but but the favorite performance that I that I have is is Kate McKinnon I think she is a national she's becoming a national treasure uh on the Julia Louis-Dreyfus order of Tobin does not
0: throw that term around but but once (laughs) you get that sticker of national treasure um Ooh, you keep this it. Is big. So this is, this yeah.
1: is okay. important. And I have seen a total of one episode of Seinfeld. So it's basically just Veep and her persona <laughs> outside, like her sort of celebrity persona. That's my Julie Lulu Dreyfus is a national treasure. But I think it's, I think it's really true. Uh, and I think that Kate McKinnon is is approaching that. She she does things with this character that shouldn't work. Uh, she'll have, there's one part she's going over to a knock on the door. I think it's when Melissa McCarthy has been, um, possessed uh, possessed by the ghost. So she's going over to knock on the door and she's just like four voices Mm -hmm. calling to her on her way to the door that really shouldn't like, they shouldn't all work in one character, but, (laughs) but they do. And I, I was so, I was so in the movie every time she was on screen. I just loved her energy Mm -hmm. in in the movie. Doesn't mean I didn't like the other ones too, Uh, but, but that was, that was, yeah. Yeah. She's just
3: unapologetically weird and like <laughs> dynamic. And it's just so many things. Like we don't get to see women doing that in a role where they're like simultaneously being taken seriously as a genius.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I like the juxtaposition of Kate McKinnon and Kristen Wiig because I think in a previous era or iteration, Kristen Wiig would have been asked mm-hmm. to be right. the wacky one i think of some of her Good snl point. characters some of which i care <laughs> for some of which i don't that are just <laughs> yes. kind of bananas yes. in one way or another um and so i the more i think about it i really appreciate the um i have the i know that I, I mean i know this is a summer blockbuster movie but like the depth of the kristen wiggs character um both in just looking at her compared to how she might have played it because we know that she has that in her as well um but Mm -hmm. then i was struck by toward the end so we're just flopping all over this time which i think is fine because everyone knows what this movie's about um but they they get to rowan's lair in in the basement of the hotel and Mm -hmm. he has a little mini villain monologue kind of thing and and i do i do love the um I think it's Holtzman that says it's always the sad, pale ones. Uh, <laughs> yes. But what it seems to me is that Rowan and Aaron had a similar background. Mm. Um, they, they were both marginalized. They both had thoughts or experiences or, or things that made them different and that they struggled with. But then what they did with that and how they reconciled it put them on opposite trajectories and
1: God, that's a great point. I,
0: I don't know about that, but I like that. Then that brought it back around to me of, of masculinity is so fragile, not to say that men don't have the opportunity or, or or you know, f- folks of any identity don't have the opportunity to um, sort of uh, navigate in a different way. But this was just a real stark, like, um, you know somebody somebody who felt uh, entitlement and felt disappointed by the world would go in in that way and then the other side you get would be the the Aaron um, searching to discover and, and kind of use use that power for good
1: I love that reading of this movie that I love that reading of this movie and that always seems agree to be... with
0: me Dana so <laughs> so this is yeah <laughs> it's, it's a real night of night of highs and lows here. Um, Dana, you mentioned, um, specifically some of the, uh, backlash to Leslie Jones that was, um, Mm -hmm. racialized and, and then we saw that, um, come up again around the Olympics when she was tweeting Mm -hmm. and, and, um, are there other, um, what, what else, um, what kind of other examples of the, um kind of intersectionality of the trolls kind of came out for you when you did your work.
3: That was a huge one. And one of the things I thought was really interesting is that when she was being attacked on Twitter, that it got a lot of attention. But if you look at the comments section, she was already being attacked in those um, very similar racist ways. Mm-hmm months earlier and so and that got almost no attention so i thought that was uh fairly interesting and then she was also um Melissa McCarthy and Leslie Jones were also specifically attacked a lot in the comment section for their appearance um, in ways that involved, you know, like, basically talking about um, their physical size, their presence on the screen, that sort of thing. And it was really contrasted with the way, um, because of course, people talked about Catherine McKinnon and Kristen Wiig a lot as well, but they did a lot more in, like, sexually objectifying ways. So, like, mm. talking about, like, basically wanting to sexually assault them um, all the time and, you know, it, it, things like that. So it was just a really different like it was it, there was a real um, uh, sort of dichotomy between the like, how dare you have a human body and be out in public kind of criticism of Melissa McCarthy and Leslie Jones versus the very objectifying, very sexually explicit and demeaning objectifying language um, against like the two white stereotypically attractive and thin people. peoples. We saw that. There's also a lot of ways that this um, gender intersected with homophobia. Mm, That was going to be my next question, yeah. Yeah, so there are, I mean, hundreds of uh, references to the word dyke, most commonly things like dikebusters um, or you oh. know ghostbusters fat dyke edition things like that so I, just so many comments along those lines is unbelievable and so there's a lot of those types of things but really interestingly also um, a lot so when men in particular in the comment section would say they liked the movie or stick up for another person who was um, kind of you know saying they liked the movie and being um, harassed online, they would often um, accuse them of um, like these really interesting things. Like they use the term white knight a lot, which is like a a Mm. man who's posing as a feminist so he can get laid. I had to look that up on um, uh, on urban dictionary because I'm not cool enough. I was like, what is this term? (laughs) But um, (laughs) so a lot of, uh, a lot of that type of language. And there was also a lot of um, homophobic language leveled against men who said they were going to watch the film. So, like, against the audience itself, Mm -hmm. like, only gay men would want to watch this film, I guess. So uh, there was a lot of that uh, in there. I think those are the ones that really stick out to me the most, but I could probably go on and on and on and on. That's, That's so upsetting. This homophobia was also really coupled with this, like, homosocial behavior. So the comment section actually seemed to become a place where where men would bond with each other over harassing other people. Mm. And it became this just like really toxic, masculine, homosocial environment where anyone who stood up for the film, then men would sort of like team up and they would um, Google that person and find out personal information about them and report it back to the thread Um And, you know, publish that type of information or they would one up each other and it would become this sort of like bros high fiving, but about like, like misogyny and about um, threatening violence. I mean, they were like threatening to shoot everyone. And I mean, just some... (laughs) I mean, like some of the language is so, so ridiculous that, that it's almost funny, except that they're like still advocating to like rape people and rip their faces off and stuff. Right. So it's not, but it became like this. This homophobia is is like juxtaposed with them. This a very homosocial, toxic, masculine environment where mm-hmm. they are basically like slapping each other's asses while they commit harassment.
0: Jeez, that I mean, that's how did just you- wildly upsetting how How did you cleanse yourself? <laughs>
1: doing this work. just so I, oh really is yep. that where
0: you were going to
3: think?
1: that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah
3: <laughs> so i would delve into the comment section but only allow myself to do it for a few hours and then i would go play with my dog or my kid it's so like i would do this and then be like all right that's it we're all going to the slides on the park that's what we're doing <laughs> right now but it was it was really difficult to just immerse yourself in this world of hate and know that Pretty much no one did anything to curb this behavior. They were just mm-hmm. excusing it and being like, oh, you know how the internet is. It's upsetting. It's mm-hmm. really upsetting. It's not exactly the kind of research that you do when you want to feel good about yourself or the world in any way. Yeah.
0: Right. But I think, um, you know, adding, uh, looking at it the way you did and and um, pointing out the, the sort of lack of... Um, Justice in it, in it all, and, um, and 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 really um, distilling it down to you know some of those patterns and things, I think is you know is works for the good of, of us so that we can um know what to do next time, hopefully, mm-hmm. um and 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 how to disrupt some of that. Um, or all of that, if, if possible. So, so thank mm-hmm. you for your service on that. That sounds like a a, a terrible just, day on the internet, right? I just
3: remembered one thing that uh, reminds me of what you were saying before about really liking seeing women who are competent at their job. Another really big, like, thread in the comment section was saying that it um, in the trailer when they showed women being good at their job that that was one of the things that people complained about that made the movie seem unrealistic because like women could never really be good at math or science. They could never really be experts in that field. And that they also, it was like laughable to think that women could be physically strong enough to do some of the ghost fighting that they did later in the movie. And that was, I mean, so many comments of, of people and not just being like, Oh, that's stupid. Women are dumb, but like having very lengthy, explanations for exactly what about women in math and science was really difficult for them to understand or like pointing out the, like using stats, like the low numbers of women who are physicists as evidence that this was unrealistic. So, Mm. so like taking this thing that we're like, yeah, feminists are like, yeah, we need to work on that and being like, no, this is actually evidence that like women really can't do it. (laughs) Oh, Very well-researched comment
0: section. Sorry. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds <laughs> like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I would find myself screaming into the computer a lot for that. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Definitely, so on yes. a, maybe a lighter side, um, can we talk about Chris Hemsworth in this movie a little bit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, since we're all tired of talking about women. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: speaking of someone who's not good at his job
0: right yeah the only truly incompetent person
1: (laughs) yes Yes. and
0: i okay i'll say mine because it's on the tip of my tongue then i'll stop i didn't mind it most of the time um and until the end like when really it was just like oh kevin you're such a scamp when he was like taking credit for the things that happened and went and got a sandwich instead of helping. And like that, like at that point, I, I I wish that Abby would have been like, all right, you're done. And then there could be something funny where, you know, Aaron wants to go with him or whatever. But I, I, it it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't my favorite parts. It was okay. But at that point, by the end, I just, it wasn't funny anymore for me just because it was so like, oh, of course you didn't help, but you want credit. Like, (laughs) I don't know where where other people with this plot line were. I don't know if it's actually plot.
1: It reminds me of my issue with the end of Spy, which I still think is probably. So far, my is my favorite movie of Paul Feig's, but then and that it undercuts itself with having Melissa McCarthy in in bed with Jason Statham mm-hmm. in, yeah, in the post credit sequence, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, I just don't, oh it's no, because so you were going out on such a yeah. high, yeah. And this had that feeling to me too. I was hoping that maybe. Aaron would be the one to say. Christian Wig would say, "Oh, okay, <laughs> I am no longer infatuated right. by you." Or you know, like because they played that for, for such laughs all the way along that uh, that they could have they could have had her turn there at, at the end. I don't know. It felt lazy in the same way that it did at the end of at the end of Spy. It felt like it's just where so much of the humor has been so smart uh, that this then then just wasn't. Mm-hmm.
3: I would agree with both of the things you've already said, but there's also this part of me that was like, not at all mad that they were objectifying this man and like, don't get me wrong. I don't think this is the answer to things, but I thought it was very interesting to hear men be like, this person is just objectified and to be able to be like, oh, really? Tell me more about that. Right? Right, And like hook them in this logic where then you could be like, yeah,
0: oh, I know. Yeah. Right. Point and point to every so- every other media product that
3: exists, and right, like yeah, that must be really hard. That that one movie had mm-hmm. that one thing. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you poor, you poor fellows. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So while, like I said, well I think the ultimate goal is that nobody is, I did, I did appreciate it a little bit for that, for that.
0: They didn't appreciate it, it in the comment section. I promise you that. Sure, yeah. I was just, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure. But it, I, I feel like everyone knew what that joke was. I mean, and I'm saying that, mm-hmm. you know, in a good way, it wasn't, um, you mm-hmm. know, we were right at that moment. We were all like, Oh, we're turning it on its head. And mm-hmm. with who better than, you know, a oh, Thor? yeah, yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then yeah. um, of course, I love a behind the scenes, um, and so I I enjoy how much they enjoyed him in it and how he you know, he was part of the joke. And because he is part of these other giant, you know, CGI masterpieces that um, that he was down to play yeah, the, because um, because there are, you know, stereotypes and, and expectations around pretty people of, of all identities. So like mm-hmm. I was um I was glad he was there to play in the sandbox. Um but but I I would have just liked them to, like you say Tobin, make take make take the smarter route there at the end. Right? Yeah, stick
1: stick the landing yeah. with him. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he is great though. And he's really fun, I think in in the movie and seems to be uh, is a good foil mm-hmm. for them. Uh and and highlights the idea that they are so good at what they mm-hmm. do given how. And and it also highlights their their um uh sort of the way they work together and accept one another and do things for one another and you know that they're like we're going to we're going to keep keep you know like <laughs> we're before gonna that keep last the scene. Puppy. Yeah, you're going to keep the puppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, which I which I thought was uh, which I thought was was great. Mm-hmm.
3: I'll also say one more like kind of Debbie Downer thing about his inclusion that one of the things I teach in my advertising class is that when we there we have an increasing number of of like images of men being objectified, and there's all sorts of problems with that because we also see that men have really fast growing rates of disordered eating mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but when men are objectified, at least in advertising, they one big trend in that is to do it in that sort of tongue-in-cheek way where, like, hmm. we're all in on this joke. And so it's easy to kind of excuse it because we're sort of in on the joke. And
2: mm. and it
3: then, like, kind of minimizes the way that that actually has these bad ramifications for men. But also, um, when women are objectified, they're just, like, naked laying on a bench advertising shoes or something, you know? Right. So – So it just looks, it looks a lot different and it sort of mirrors that, which, you know, can take that for what it is, but, but it seems to be a trend that we're seeing a lot of
0: now. Hmm. That's interesting. I'll have to, and now I'm going to look out for that. What about all our cameos?
1: Mm -hmm. This is my big issue with the movie is that the the big issues maybe is maybe too strong A word, but where I where I fault the movie is it's sometimes it feels like it's tying itself in knots to make nods to the original movie and. You know the cameos are fun. Like I, uh, the cameos are great, and and I I I love that Bill Murray gets like destroyed by <laughs> this goat. Like I, I, you know, I I like some of what they do with it. I really like it when Sigourney Weaver shows up. Well, you always um, like at, it at when Sigourney end. Weaver shows up. <laughs> I do, I do, I, I love some, some Sigourney Weaver. But I felt like the, it was, um, and other times too, when that when it would be like we know the movie's called Ghostbusters. We know that there's this there, you know part of this you know, lineage of ghost busting. And so like the, as they come up, they come up with the name, like that becomes part of the thing. Like it felt like some of the plot points and human, there'd be like um, cul-de-sacs in the movie to explain a new reason for why this stuff's happening mm. as opposed to the way it had happened before. And I got, I get, a, I just, I, I get a little tired with that on a narrative because like, I want to keep going with like, that's, I want st- to stick with these women in the story in this movie and see what's happening as opposed to like have to nod to things that happened in the past. And I felt like the cameos, you know, they didn't det- the cameos themselves didn't detract for me, but I, they didn't add much for me. What about you two?
3: I would agree with that. And I think part of the reason they were in there is because when Paul Feig took the role, he said that anyone who wanted a cameo could be in it. And So I think he probably actually <laughs> was writing for the people who were like, I'll do it. I'd like that. Mm. So
2: mm.
0: yeah. The first time that there was a line that started to sing the song. It, mm-hmm. I thought it was cute. And then like by the third time <laughs> it was, it just, it, it just got less cute to me. Um, I, I, it felt pandery to me that like, okay, everyone's really touchy about this. So we want to really show you that the folks who were in it before are giving their blessing to this mm, one. Right.
2: Exactly. And, and I That's think in point.
0: this climate they you know that they were in, they they did sort of have to do that. I I was just tired of it. Um and then this does give me the opportunity to um, share that I am an unashamed fan of Fallout boy. So I, I enjoyed their, <laughs> their
1: that's the biggest confession you've had it on our 19 episodes of the <laughs> show.
0: renovation of, um, of the original thing. And so I just, I, you know, that's a different, it's a different podcast to talk about, um, <laughs> when and how and why I have loved fallout boy, but, um, but it, I thought it was a, it was a choice that made me laugh. Um, and then, and then some of the cameos made me laugh and then some of them didn't. And I was just like, okay, let's just wrap it up folks. Like we've, <laughs> who else do we <laughs> need to see? Um, so yeah, I w- it was a mixed bag for me.
1: As you said, you'd watched the original movie recently. Is that right? Can you, can you tell, cause I haven't seen it pr- since probably the early nineties mm-hmm. or maybe even, maybe even the late eighties. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Is it. Uh, my memory is that the humor in it is more mean spirited, which which maybe just sort of filtered through time. But would you, how would you describe the difference between the humor in the original and the humor in the reboot?
0: I mean, I think obviously that layer of winking about it is not there, right? Because it's not an homage to anything. Um, I I I would agree that it's um, more mean spirited. I think that um, you know in this one we don't see. Rowan the bad guy being we don't see him being bullied or being belittled or demeaned and um you do see the um sort of a a similar character in um god what is his name honey I shrunk the kids Rick Moranis um you do see Rick Moranis feeling left out but but also exemplifying some of those things we were talking about earlier where really he just feels entitled to Sigourney Weaver's attention and he's not getting it like so Mm -hmm. that plays differently um I I knew when I was supposed to laugh in the original but I at the you know watching it as an adult (laughs) many years after it came Mm -hmm. out I I didn't find it super funny sorry can't wait for my comments um (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, obviously the, the, um, special effects and things are, are very different in a different time mm-hmm. and place, but I felt more sincerely frightened. Like I, the original is
1: creepier to me than this was. Oh, is it? Well, cause I, part of my question is because my seven year old son would really like to watch Ghostbusters and I've been holding off on it for a partly because I haven't seen it I sort of wanted to see, check it yeah. out again before because you know you run into things that you remember one way from your childhood and you start showing them to new children Absolutely. and you're like oh wow this is yeah, so <laughs> this is much more problematic so I'm wondering if we should just start with this
0: one I think so I mean and there's I feel like it's just come back up in the news something about the uh, ghost giving a blowjob scene so I don't know how many blowjob scenes your son has seen. <laughs> um, the I, and there is a real I mean, um, Bill maury I found really creepy and um what's the word predatory in right. in, in, the re- in the rewatch. Um he's you know d- doing what <laughs> what we're joking that that they're doing to Chris Hemsworth, but he, you know, invites himself into her house and is is just very, very, very creepy about it. Um and so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think start with yeah. this one um, on that. I don't know. Dana, have you seen the old one recently? No, I have not. Yeah,
1: there you go. Um, Yeah, well, I will report back mm-hmm. after I. Uh, do
0: you remember <laughs> after seeing after the sequel that. in the theater, Tobe?
1: I do. I remember do the you? theater that we went to. I- it became a cult church that then fell apart a couple years ago <laughs>
0: yes why why did we remember that but i don't
1: know shout out i don't pa. know
0: pa. Pa took tickets to that movie <laughs> <laughs> i do one want too guard by it because it's peter mcnichol is so so frightening to me still because of that but um but i remember it very oh <laughs> mm-hmm. memories
2: yeah
0: um do you all want to play a game
2: yes yes
0: The game is entitled, who are you going to call? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And so similar to um, a, the discussion we had earlier about favorites or, or who's good in what scenario, um, let's think about our four protagonists, um, Aaron, Abby, Patty, or Holtzman. And I'm going to give you um, a circumstance. And you're going to tell me in that circumstance, who are you going to call? Who do you want on your team for that scenario? I love <laughs> All it. I right? love it. Uh, so I, I don't know if we can also hashtag this like we did which which, but with who are you going to call? Yeah, yeah, So of those four, if you, um for whatever reason, needed to crash a wedding, who are you going to call? Who are you going to bring with you to crash a wedding? Do I want to have fun
3: or do I want to go undetected? <laughs> Ooh, that's, a, I, that's a great, great point.
0: question how about undetected who would you who would help you be undetected you think christian wig mm-hmm. tobin who, who are you gonna call
1: that was my first instinct but i think um uh the even though this maybe leaves her out for a future thing where she might be better suited i couldn't I would love to see how Holtzman would deal with a wedding, <laughs> if I, like just for sheer entertainment value. That would be it'd be like the, <laughs> the, the sort of soft comments to, or, you know, quiet comments. Mm-hmm. And the, like, I, I would t- definitely take uh, take Holtzman to the
0: wedding. Oh, that'd be great.
1: Right. What about you, Aislinn?
0: I mean, it's they I would they would all be fantastic. Um, but I was I was leaning toward Holtzman as well. Um, it would be hard to keep a straight face because I feel like we were crashing mm-hmm. would be lying, and the story <laughs> would just get more fantastical. Every relative yes. she talked to, um, but it would it would certainly be um, be a lot of fun. Um, okay, number two, um, who are you going to call to um, help uh, talk your way out of a park uh, a parking ticket or a traffic ticket of some kind?
1: Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with Patty. <laughs> I loved Patty. I love the Leslie Jones character in this movie. And I feel like, especially if we were in New York mm. and given her MTA, like, and also just, she would just know how she would know the right tactic to use with the, with the, you know, like with the traffic cop, whether it's bluster or, um or, or uh flattery, or I feel like she'd be really good at that. I think I'm going to go with Abby on this one.
3: Because doesn't she just like convince everyone that this is the plan that they're going to use anyway? I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of her role at the beginning of the film. So I'm, I'm just going to go all in and,
0: and she can do some more convincing. OK, number three, um, who are you going to call to sit next to you on a plane ride to Thailand? <laughs> oh. can, is
3: it use everyone once? Are there rules to this game? Are there I, rules?
1: I, no,
0: there's okay. not rules.
1: Oh, no Oh, no. I was <laughs> trying to only use everyone. Oh, on. no. I think you can. Oh,
0: okay. I think you can use more than one. Oh, okay. 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 I definitely
3: want to sit next to Kristen Wake, but only if it's Kristen Wake's bridesmaid's character, which is probably not the rules of this
2: game. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> <No one>. um. <laughs> Otherwise, I would definitely want to sit next to Patty because I think we would have just the most fun.
1: I I would definitely not want um, Melissa McCarthy's uh, bridesmaids character, <laughs> but I would wa- but yeah, I would okay. want Abby next to me in this because I think she would be really like because it would be a, from from where I live that would be a long mm-hmm. trip, and uh, I feel like she'd be great company on a long a long trip, and, and including if we needed a quiet time, I feel like she could say let's have a like let's not talk right mm-hmm. now. You wouldn't have to talk the whole time, and so yeah, I'd definitely say Abby. I feel th-
0: like I'd get the best plain snacks if Abby was sitting next to me. Um, we, you know, she has that ongoing um, repartee with the uh, food delivery guy. <laughs> with
1: Benny. Um, yeah, <laughs> And
0: so I, I feel like she would sort of stand up for our rights in our row, um, but, uh, but would also be a very interesting conversationalist. And, um, and so that's, yeah, I think that I think Abby's a good choice. Um, who are you going to call to bail you out of jail?
1: Ooh. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, well, you know, maybe Holtzman again, because I bet she could have some contraption to like blow the wall Ooh, out of the that's a good point. And, like, that's a good point. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Oh, that's a really hard one. I think I would have to agree. And also just because I feel like she could do something that would distract people where like they would be watching her and maybe I could break out
2: nice excellent <laughs> excellent
1: <laughs> you know the, another another one maybe to if i could if i could uh an addendum to that maybe cecily strong's character Ooh, jennifer lynch yeah because she could re- actually break get me out she of could. jail given her connections to the mayor good there's that
0: i feel like i would ask aaron to come because i would trust that she wouldn't tell anyone mm, and she would yeah, good good point. It that way um, and then <laughs> finally who would you take as a guest? to a departmental meeting at your institution? Pre-tenure or (laughs) (laughs) post-tenure? Exactly.
3: Exactly. Pre-tenure, I would take Erin because she would be quiet and not make waves. Post-tenure, I would definitely bring Patty and I would pass her notes of things that I would want her to say out loud that I didn't want to say myself. (laughs) And then she could just yell them out and it would be perfect perfect i
1: love it that's that's great i love it so uh yeah i would i would take i guess i would take i think any one of them would be good for different reasons i guess i'm i'm going to take abby with me because uh i don't know she i get some um i don't have to go to a lot of faculty meetings thankfully anymore but um when I do, there's always some sort of like this. They can be very stressful sometimes. Mm. And so uh, okay. and I don't
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, okay.
1: try, again. Trying to. be okay. Yeah. yeah uh, Yes. Yes. Once in a while, they're known to be a little stressful and you don't always know like the history of the politics of the room you're in. So having someone there who um, would just call me, I think she's I, I think she'd be soothing. Mm. I don't know, what do you think?
0: Well, I made up the game so I can cheat. Um, also. I am the only grown-up who currently works in my department. So <laughs> I'm going to bring them all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're all welcome nice.
0: in my house. Um, nice. And so that would be fun. And, and then if we turned it into, um, you know, a party. And I also think my students could learn a lot from each of them. Mm. So mm. I would put them on a panel. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> again, I'm, I I'm cheating because I made up the game. Um, thank you all for playing. If our listeners want to play, um, hashtag who you going to call and um, tell us in these scenarios or make up new scenarios for us. We would love to play. We've enjoyed playing Pie Share and Witch Witch. Um, so let's keep the conversation going.
1: Great game, Aslan. Yes,
0: yeah. great. <laughs> now that we have had our discussion and we've had our fun, It's time to give our final judgment. Um, Is this progressive or regressive? Is this a movie, excuse me, is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Dana, what do you think? I
3: have a lot of thoughts on this. (laughs) Um, I think the comment section, notwithstanding that it is a step forward. And I think uh, the the stars of this film were unapologetic about the work they did on this film and were proud of it and showed that they were going to stand tall even in the face of this, just unbelievable types of harassment. And then, like I said, I mean, I haven't been to a major blockbuster film where women could do this type of work while also wearing clothing. And that, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's really remarkable. And then I'll also say the one thing we didn't, really talk about, but that was a big um, controversy around the film was Leslie Jones' character and how she was the only one who was not a scientist and also the only woman of color. And I think those criticisms are really uh, valid. And I definitely didn't By the argument that, like, well, if you look at the originals, the person of color was also, you know, not a scientist. (laughs) But it's like, are we really going to rely on this, like, historical film, (laughs) right? To, you know, so I definitely didn't buy that as a legitimate reason that we couldn't have done more. With her character, and then I'll also say that she just knocked it out of the park, and which she mm-hmm. was so proud of the work she did. And I, you know, I've also seen interviews where she, you know, was talking about being a role model for women of color and showing them that they can be this thing and be successful. And so, um, so, so there, there I'll give it a, a like. I don't get to decide on on that one, but overall, I thought it was fantastic and. There's a lot of good precedent for for dealing with this type of thing going forward that we learned from this movie. So
0: I would say progressive. Awesome. Thank you, Uh, Tobin. How about you?
1: I co-sign all previous comments and uh, will only add that um, the action sequences in this movie are beautifully shot. And beautifully choreographed it's something that i don't think paul fee gets quite enough credit for between this and spy and heat um and i guess also even the the choreography not of action stunts but physical comedy in bridesmaids um they're they're often at the ends of these movies these these cgi extravaganzas the end the last battle like i've i've walked out of I worked out a man of steel for a lot of reasons, but like, cause I knew the end was just going to be this big, long fist fight with all this computer graphics and stuff. And I was invested not only in who these characters were, but also in in his ability to uh, clearly define the action and the stakes and i was i was sort of gripped by this last sequence which i'm not always in these films um so i i really enjoyed this movie and i'm glad i own it and i will show it to my son and when my daughter's older uh, to her and i definitely would come down on the progressive side eyes what, what do you say
0: yeah absolutely um i agree i i was not as quite invested in the final battle it got loud and whatever for me, but like Dana said, um, seeing, um, four women do their jobs great and care for each other and go to literally the ends of the earth to make sure their team comes out on top. Um, I love, so, um, is it, is it perfect? No, but, um, I think progressive yes. And, um, and I'm, I'm glad it's out there and I hope to watch it with you all. Um, when you watch it in your household Tobin.
1: Yes, that would, that would be fun. <laughs> the next movie we're going to do is directed by Jodie Foster, starring Holly Hunter. We're going to do Home for the Holidays for, uh, for Thanksgiving, even though now we know Aizen doesn't like holiday-themed episodes. Uh, this comes out, will come out on November uh, 13th in two weeks, so come back and check out uh, Home for the Holidays. Dana, thank you so much for uh, for joining us and for having this great discussion with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been wonderful. If people want to find you or your work uh, and um, uh, compliment you and learn more about what you do, if, if you want to be found, where do you want to be found? Uh,
3: the best way to find me at this point is to send me an email and we can maybe link to that in the show notes. Um, Definitely. Yes. Uh, the I'm working on a book project on uh, this project around Ghostbusters right now. And I'm teamed up with a bunch of other researchers who are bringing in uh, work that they're doing on Women's Strong Film. So and some of the reception issues around that. So but it's not out yet. uh, So I am hesitant to give you the name because we it's not finalized. Um, So the best way to get a hold of me is to uh, email me.
0: Dana, will you come back? Um, to talk about your work more and, and other things than other movies with us sometime.
3: Oh my gosh, yes, okay, absolutely, yay. yes, <laughs> <Yay. Excellent>. yes.
0: <laughs> I'm such a nerd for this, so yeah, I love it. Okay, <laughs> fabulous. We'll have a we'll have a panel of our own. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> academic women. Tobin is still blackmailing me into doing Twitter, so um, you can find me. At Sassy Nerd MT on Twitter. And I do have to report, I did get my first email from my Cage Club email.
1: Ooh, um, wow, yay. So
0: that was pretty exciting. <whistles> yay, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, Tobin, where can we find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington and you can find us on Twitter at Contenders underscore pod or at facebook.com slash the Contenders pod. So do us a favor and leave us a review. Reach out to us. Uh, talk to us. Play the game online. We love it. It makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside.
0: <laughs> we here at the Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club podcast network. You can explore all all their great shows at cageclub.me and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at Cage Club Pod. Hey Tobe, what's a new Cage Club happening?
1: So, the uh, Cage Club show Watch the Throne is how they're describing it. This is the uh, Charlize Theron podcast, they've come to the end, or they're coming to the end of the, the run of that podcast and they're uh, they, as Joey and Mike always do at the end of these, they're having uh, awards, an awards show uh, where they're going to uh, nominate and give out awards for, you know, best performance and all that in her filmography uh, They're calling it the Chrome Teeth nominations, the Chrome Teeth Awards uh, from the Mad Max Fury Road character, Furiosa So head on over to Cage Club uh, dot me and uh, easy to find the links to, to go um, find that out. And uh, yeah, put in your nominations and go for some awards.
0: I love awards. I will be heading there shortly. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Isla Addington, And I'm Dana Showalter.
1: I'm Tobin Addington And we'll see you next time on The Contenders.
0: see that's why we have you on because you're so smart i am a doctor
1: yeah i'm surrounded by doctors (laughs) i love
0: you i know i wrote down all this professory stuff
1: so i have this pain in my elbow (laughs)
0: right (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that you break into the, um, spies like us, doctor, 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 doctor. doctor. doctor <laughs> yeah.
2: We've done. <laughs> yeah. We've done. <laughs> <laughs>